1: Bye. Bye. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today, my friends, it is just going to be me, Marie, with you. It's a solo episode, and we are talking about one of my favorite parts of being a classroom teacher, and that is building and growing a community and culture within the groups that we teach. Um And I know this is kind of an odd thing to be talking about, like culture when so many of us, myself included, are fully virtual or hybrid or like will they, won't they, Ross and Rachel, like go back in the classroom or won't they go back in the classroom? I'm absolutely myself still in this limbo as I record. It is mid-February 2021 and I have been fully virtual since March of 2020, but... That doesn't mean that I am not still working on the culture and community of my classroom. In fact, it's like my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> like I said, we're being a classroom teacher. Um, when I started my own brand, the Caffeinated Classroom you know, however many years back, it was with the sole purpose of connecting with other educators and talking about building communities and relationships and really creating unique cultures among the groups that we work with. So if I teach three three different sections of my classes, yeah, I'm going to have senses of community that might look the same. I'm going to have cultures that resemble each other because I'm the common denominator. However, The culture of a group really has to do with the specific and unique members of the group. So that's why I think it's so important to talk about here today, because I think looking at classroom community is such a big, buzzy kind of a word and idea. But if we look at it from the stance of what is the culture of this group, what is the culture of this class, that is something that I think is able to be tackled from a virtual setting and a hybrid setting and an in-person setting. Um... Yeah, and I'm excited to share three secrets that you can use like today if you're listening to this on your way to work or tomorrow or, you know, whenever you're ready. So without any further ado, we are going to go ahead and get started. Let's cue
0: that music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois.
1: And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. So like I said before, when I started the caffeinated classroom in early 2018, which actually isn't that long ago, but it feels way longer ago. <laughs> you know how that happens. Ah, time. Um, It was all about classroom community for me. And it was about what I was doing in my classroom, what I was seeing other people do in their classrooms to build a sense of community and build relationships between teacher and student and between student and student and student and school. And, you know, the greater idea of community within an education setting. Um, And I actually had created a little mini course that I call classroom community from the ground up. And it is something, if you go to thecaffeinatedclassroom.com, it's there. You can take a little look-see at it if you want to, but I'm going to be sharing from that little mini course three of the real secrets to building and really growing a unique culture within the groups that we teach. Um, The first secret it's not really that secretive but it's just kind of like the tricks and secrets felt like a fancy fun word so we're going to go with it you know um the first thing that i do when i think about and i do this every single time a, like a class restarts right so i teach on a quarter system which means that i have uh i start i have two first days of school a year i used to teach on a semester system and changing over to this four by four, this quarter system was quite the kick in the pants. It just took a lot of like getting used to and just figuring out how to time things differently. Um, and now that I'm used to it, it's it's quite easy, but it is a very real two restarts to the school year that happens. So we've got our normal first first day of school that happens in August. And then mid January, we start all over again. I get a whole brand new batch of kids, classes restart, and therefore, I'm starting fresh with my classroom communities and my classroom cul- and my class cultures. Um, and the first thing that I always think about, and sometimes it changes here and there, are just setting intentions. If I sit down, and I know it sounds really woo-woo when I say it like that, but if I sit down and I think, okay, what really matters here about building this new community and creating this new culture within these classes? I teach three classes at a time the way that our schedule works. Um, And I like to think, about setting intentions in the following way. Like I, I create a little fill in the blank for myself. And if you head to our show notes, brave new you can see uh, what I'm talking about. I'll have all of this there in the show notes for you. But the first thing I do setting intentions, I sit down and I think to myself and then I write it down. I want my class to feel blank, look blank, and sound blank. I basically go through three of the five senses that make sense because you don't really want to think about how a high school classroom smells. And I feel like Thinking about, I want my classroom to taste is just like, that's, we don't need to put our feet in that water. You know, we're just going to, we're going to back off of that one completely. So I just think about feel, look, and sound. So for instance, when I was getting ready just a few weeks ago to start a new quarter with my students completely virtually, I sat down, I thought to myself, I want my class to feel comfortable which is kind of a broad word and so I started to break down a little bit of what I mean by comfortable. It's more that like it, it where, where students are comfortable enough to turn on their camera and comfortable means something completely different when I'm in the physical setting. Comfortable there means finding a place with my semi-flexible seating to be able to find a place where you can learn best, right? Like comfortable means different things depending on where we are. For me right now, virtually, comfortable means uh, where they feel like they can be and like not relax, but learn. They they can let down their guard enough to learn. And that a big piece of that is unmuting themselves to participate and turning on their blankety blank cameras, right? So that's like intention number one. I want my class to feel comfortable. I want my class to look inviting. And as we are thinking, like I sat there and I thought the same things I'm sure you guys are thinking right now what it's zoom or like it's Google meet. How can it look any different? Uh, the slides that I use, I very much brand my class, uh, like materials, if that makes sense. So like I use the same fonts and I know that sounds super anal retentive and it completely is, but it also creates a sense of, oh, this is from Mrs. Morris's class. Like it creates a sense of just like expectation. Students know what it is. They know exactly what they're getting into. Uh, Our daily agenda slides are one of those. It's kind of a Bitmoji classroom without the Bitmoji because I don't know, I think my Bitmoji looks really weird and I just never use it. But it, it looks like my physical classroom as much as I possibly can. And so that look is meant to be inviting. And so I like recreated that. I'll put a screenshot of the slides that I'm talking about in the show notes so you guys can see what I'm talking about. And then the third intention, I want my class to sound, and I said chatty. (laughs) which What teacher ever says that you want your class to sound chatty? Um, The sounds that normally come out of my physical classroom are you'll hear a lot of jazz music and instrumental that's really, really low and just creates like, an ambiance, and you'll hear a lot of students talking. And I realize that part of what I miss the most of being in the classroom, I mean, there's a lot, but what I miss the most of like pre-COVID classroom happenings, I miss hearing kids talking. And so I want my class to sound chatty. Um, so that first piece is just setting those intentions because then the next steps come from what do I really want it to be? Not just, oh, I want it to be, a community. I want it I want there to be relationships. Okay, but what what are they going to be like? What are they going to feel like? What's it going to look like? What's it going to sound like? Okay, moving right along. So the second secret, if you will, it's really not a secret, like none of this is secretive, but they are the best strategies that you can put in place for uh, creating that culture that you're looking for with any of your classes or all of your classes. Um, The second thing to really think about and be mindful of is expectations. And when I'm talking about expectations with a classroom full of students, I like to think of it looking at the three Cs. Those Cs are clear, consistent, and communicative communicated. Expectations of students, the expectations they can have of you, the expectations they can have of their day-to-day for academics, for behavior, right? Like all of these expectations uh, really just create boundaries. And when there are really well-created and well-defined boundaries in any relationship, things like everybody, every party of the relationship knows what to expect, knows what's expected of them. It's pretty great. That's where like good things can start to happen and a lot of bad things can be avoided. So the first seat clear. If expectations are extremely clear and there are no questions about the nuance behind an expectation, um, you're going to have as a teacher a lot more luck having everybody understand behavior-wise, what is expected of them, work and academic-wise, academically, what is expected of them, what they can expect of you, their teacher. If you tell them that once a week, grades will be updated every Thursday, then you're not gonna have kids. Well, you might still have, we're, we're, we're talking about real red-blooded human children here. So you're still gonna have some outliers, but for the most part, you're not gonna have kids wondering after week three or four, when is this gonna get graded? You know that the grades will be updated children every Thursday, right? That's a clear expectation that they have of you, their teacher, and then it goes the other way, obviously. That's classroom management 101, isn't it? Um, Consistent. The second C is consistent expectations. When our expectations are not consistent from student to student to student, if everybody is not held to the exact same expectations, We all know, don't we, that that spells disaster for behavior, for community, for culture, for all of the things that we're trying to build and have like positive relationships and all of that. When students, and they can sniff it out, see inconsistencies between themselves and their classmates, um, it it creates a lack of trust. And that trust is vital for creating a positive learning environment. So, um, and that's not to say that every student doesn't need differentiation. That every student doesn't have their own unique and individual learning needs. Um, I'm not saying to do away with those and treat everybody exactly the same. I am saying, however, if one student is getting leniency where nobody else is, or vice versa, if one student is being held to really rigid expectations while other students are getting leniency, it's um, that consistency becomes an absolute issue. And so... That it's, it's kind of the chicken or the egg, like what comes first relationships or like holding everybody to consistent expectations. They all feed into one another. It's just something to keep in mind. And then the third C is communicated, communicated expectations, clearly and consistently communicated. Right. OK, that's enough C's. Um, but communicate the expectations, have the expectations posted all around the classroom or all over your, you know, e your virtual classroom. I have expectations all over the place. They are on every single assignment, both in the assignment box on like the Google Classroom assignment and within the document itself and the materials that go with the document, like expectations of student uh like performance everywhere, expectations of behavior. I must repeat myself. So I I get sick of hearing myself repeat my expectations over and over and over again, especially when I'm only meeting with students over Zoom, but in the classroom as well. We all know like before you have students go break apart and start doing group work or individual work or whatever it is, we have to repeat the expectations at least three times for them to sink in. Think about that. Three times verbally. Students need to see it. Both up big on the wall, they need to see it on paper in front of them, they need to see it on their partner's paper that they're looking at because their eyeballs are wandering because their kids and their minds are going all over the place, right? Like repeating expectations as many times as possible and communicating that in as many ways as possible are going to be what make our expectations actually successful and allow students to find success at like rising to those expectations. So, okay, first key or secret set intentions, second expectations with the three C's, and the last one is to really think about what is this class about? And by that, I mean, a lot of times what teachers will do, and I myself do this as well, we will think about what we love as teachers, and we will make that like an anchor to our classroom community. Like you'll see teachers that like will kind of like name their classroom and the citizens of their classroom, right? Their students after their favorite sports team or after like, you know, like they're all Mouseketeers or something like that. And it's always something that has to do with like what the teacher loves, which I think is great. And it's a great way to to build rapport with your students, to really like share something from your own life with them. The problem with making that like the core or the anchor or the theme to your class and making the theme of your class the... that is like that your classroom community and culture are therefore built around is that students don't really have any buy-in. They don't have any ownership of that. That is not something that they have in common necessarily with their teacher. It's just something that their teacher likes and that then they kind of become a part of. I think that that style of building a community works really well with younger students, with elementary um, students. But when you're talking about middle and high school students, especially We have to find things that we all have in common that we can create a common culture around. What do we all have in common? Well, we all have in common what we are learning about. We all have in common what we are doing to learn those sorts of things. We all have in common the same school. We all have in common, right? Like there are some different ways to build that kind of culture piece to figure out like what is this class? And I don't mean curriculum wise, but maybe curriculum wise. What is this class, this group of people would probably be a better word for it, about? What are we all about? And sometimes for a teacher, that might mean getting to know the class a little bit and like taking some surveys, having some conversations. I need you to know something about me, guys. (laughs) Listeners, please. I hate icebreakers. Like I hate them. Ask Amanda, ask anybody that knows me. I hate icebreakers. So I'm saying, (laughs) please. Please don't subject yourself or your students to that but i am saying like at the beginning of a class there's there's some good like student interest surveying kind of things that we can do in conversations we can have to see where our commonalities are as a big group um In my class, one of the biggest parts of my curriculum is reading. Therefore, we are a culture of readers. We are a community of readers. Not everybody is going to see themselves as a reader at the very beginning of the year. But when I think, what is this group about? Well, we're all going to be reading. We're all going to be writing. We are all going to be listening and speaking. But I really like double down on the reading part, because um, a big part of my classroom and building community and finding that culture is helping students find books and stories and people that they want to read about, that they find interesting. Because Every reader wasn't a reader until they found what they liked. And that's that's what I tell my students. Like, I wasn't a reader until I found what I liked. And it's cheesy, over-the-top YA fantasy series. I love them. I can get lost in them. It makes me so happy. And then students get to say, well, I like blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay, well, let's find you a story that matches what you like. And then we're all readers. And that's where our culture can, like, come in. And we share our interests through how do we read them. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> those are the big three. And I know, like I said before, they are not really like secrets. I'm kind of calling them secrets. But when you change your perspective on how you look at building community and really building a culture within your class, within the group, the specific group of people that you have together at any given time, that's where the secret is. That's where the magic lies. It lies in taking the time and kind of changing the perspective to making it more personalized for the actual group of students rather than and and teacher and adults involved in whatever this culture is versus okay everybody's going to learn about me the teacher and therefore we're going to build community um which is not bad it's just not going to be as effective especially in a virtual place because students get teachers talking at them all day long through their screen and they're not they're definitely invited to be a part of it, but they don't really know how to accept the invitation, if that makes sense. And, and building a culture that requires student engagement in order for it to really work um, is much more powerful and much more relationship building and all of that good stuff. So, with, uh, my rambling has to come to an end at a certain point in time, my friends. So I do want to say once again, head to the show notes, brave new So you can take a look at some of the examples I was talking about with like the slides and that sort of a thing for what I do with what my classroom like looks and feels and sounds like. Um, and then let me know if you have any questions, send them our way on Instagram at brave new teaching, or you can even DM me individually I'm at the caffeinated class on Instagram and without any further ado I think that is the end of our show so thank you so much for listening and we will see you guys next time bye